0: Yeah.
1: We were filming with Cass Clutterbug yesterday, and yeah, it's I so fascinating to shoot with another YouTuber, or in Cass's point, like a pres- like whatever, like TV host present. Like she's on; she's Podcaster. amazing to just kind of see the way that she kind so of works. Professional. So professional. She has her own quirks and unique kind of stuff that is hers for her process and whatnot. But it never fails to, uh, it never fails to amaze me how we are all in this space thinking about what the next video title is going to be versus what our life looks like like we will separate put our life regular life on pause if you're in that space of like i don't know what to do next i don't know how to i don't know how to make a video and and whatever and i'm sure i've brought it up on the podcast before but i'm kind of going through a period where i'm starting to like really question that space and um that really Comes to the forefront when you see another YouTuber who has been doing this for years. I mean, Cass has been doing this for a lot, a lot of years. And just to see like what happens when she gets into her YouTube space and when she's filming and da da da. And then just to hear the way he, her and her team works kind of in the background and the concerns that they have and just like whatever. And you realize that like, we all out here chasing something that we're like, sometimes not even really aware of what we're chasing. And that that ends up becoming like your your job for the week. And you go through mm-hmm. a whole week and spend 40 hours trying to figure out like, what's the video this week? And it, it, it almost kind of like muddies the water of what you should be doing with your time in the first place.
0: Yeah, I, that's true. I think one of the things that always provides me a little bit of comfort is when I hear other YouTubers expressing the same anxieties that I have. <laughs> yeah. Because I always think everybody's got it together. But when I hear casts say, oh, man, the video was 10 out of 10, and I, yeah. I get worried, and I hate this stuff, and it yeah. just is so frustrating. And I think, yeah, I think those are just universal truths among people who are producing this kind of content. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Because we do tend to think that, oh, I'm the only one thinking this way, or I'm the only one thinking I'm not doing enough. And probably everybody is. It's true. And then you end up having that conversation of like, I saw your videos. I saw how you can still release a
1: video and it still get 100,000 views within the first one. We all do this really silly YouTube analytic comparison. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, you know what? You know, it was interesting. We actually compared click through rates. Um, and it's like, this is something that a lot of YouTubers know about. Uh, or they're like your click through uh your not only your like impressions like how how many people will see your thumbnail and then click through on it which is the click through rate for or the impression whatever that's called but like the actual cpm like how much money you make off of your ads for every thousand kind of views or whatever is like this thing even within industries which can vary by like you know, a hundred percent, like, because in one person doing the exact same type of content could be paying $20, whatever per click or whatever that is. And another person could be 10 and you get both of those people in the same room and be like, what do you do? And they will be doing the exact same thing. And there's almost like these different yeah, forces totally. at work because your audience is unique. And that was the biggest thing that I took away from when we were like just sharing, whatever, just stuff yesterday was that she was talking about the video that she had just launched a few hours earlier was a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 she had put a lot of work into it the thumbnail was tight it was great content it was 23 minute long video or something like that and it just kind of was dragging its feet for the first little while as sometimes videos do now on youtube it seems like it's less predictable Mm -hmm. than it was before like there's this weird randomness So I congratulated her anyways. I'm like, I know how tough it is to like put all this work and be like, this is this is the banger. And maybe if this isn't the one out of 10, this is going to be a solid three out of 10. <laughs> It'll be day. up there. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, what wh- wh- like, what are these metrics that were like, oh, it's a three out of 10. And like, that is some kind of, and I made a special note to go over to Cass. I'm like, that's a great video. I love how you titled it. I love how you put mm-hmm. the thumbnail on there. It certainly works for whatever. And she's like, yeah. And apparently the audience likes it because the click-through rate is... I don't know, whatever it was, it was something, something, something percent. And I stopped and I'm like, that's like twice ours. Like, let's say hers was 10% and ours is 5%. And like, if you were to look at our content or look at our whatever, there'd be no reason to believe that if Cas were to make this type of video talking about this, it would have a completely different engagement and completely different like view trajectory and, and possibilities and opportunities on YouTube, simply because of the Audience that it's going out to first. Cass's audience, much more interested in like what's next from Cass and I want to hear Cast. So you, you literally have kind of that more push and that connection for that. And us, we've always more so focused on the tips. So we have a lot of people who just kind of come for the one tip yeah. and they move on. So when we release a new tip video about how to clean your eyeglasses, like clearly it's already not going to appeal to a large percentage of our audience. But like that's the style and the cadence of video. So a good video for us is only a 5% click through rate. but it's impossible to sit there and like compare these and be like, I could get better if I did this, because the thing they don't take into consideration is the audience. Because it's
0: mm-hmm. real easy. Then if you start thinking like that to just fall into the, uh, influencer, I'm a content creator trap, trap or really that's all you're trying to do is just work for the algorithm. You're just trying to figure out how the, you, you get so obsessed with this stuff that you kind of forget who you are and w- why people started watching you in the first place. It's a real easy trap to fall into. You're like just contributing
1: to the audience and you're almost like at the mercy of the audience. Like the same yeah. thing that has got you to this place now holds you kind of trapped because you feel so, um, uh, you feel so like responsible to either keep it going or, or yeah. pay respect to the, mm,
0: but Cass has got it going on though, man, you know, she's Fan. got her podcast. It, you know, she told me, cause she was just on my, my other podcast last week. And she just talked about uh, briefly that she can do her podcast. She loves just doing it by herself, just talking for 30 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, God, I could never do that. I have to have somebody else to talk to because I would just end up repeating myself and, and stumbling over my words and just rambling about nonsense. And
1: tens of thousands of people tune in each episode to listen to Cass say exactly she that. She was the
0: number one trending podcast on, in like that, well, I forget what category it was in, but wow. I mean, she's killing it. And Cass is a great
1: example. She's like a one of a kind personality. She has a crazy good sense of humor. She's engaging, she's authentic, she's relatable, she's just so gosh darn Canadian and down to earth and nice and all of the other good stuff and she has like a nice wonderful little sassy edge to her and she's real and honest and I see why people would want it literally just because I like listening to just yeah cast talk I like listening to you talk do you think you'd be able to get to the point where you'd be able to do a podcast which is just like the Steve Ramsey podcast and you ramble for 30 minutes
0: I would love to because that would be so much less Stress than trying to find guests, you know, and and trying to really plan out what I'm going to talk about. I don't know. I would love to be able to just talk off the cuff like that, but I just don't. I don't think I have the ability to do that. Do you know what you would talk about? What would you talk about? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like if there was one subject I could really talk about, it would be horror movies, (laughs) or just movies in general. But even then, I think I we'd be able to talk about it but re- in reality I don't think I probably could I would probably just say dumb things unless I scripted everything out and then that's not really the point of doing a you know a half hour monologue podcast it'd be interesting cuz you'd be able to Create
1: a new audience and have people who only see you for something outside of. Do you find yeah. that sometimes challenging to think about doing new things and then just always dragging this? Oh, like it's Steve. He's the guy who is the one. Yes,
0: order. because that's. and I, So I just went through this whole rebranding of my podcast because I thought that WTS doesn't say anything. Nobody understands what it is. And it's probably horrible for Spotify and, and Apple to. People don't know what it is. So I changed it to Creative Culture. Which I think just kind of said, okay, these are going to all be somehow makers, artists, creative people talking about what they do. And so it's open-ended that way. I could even bring in, you know, filmmakers and, and all, all these different creative people. And by doing that, I am hoping that it will attract its own of native audience who don't know me per se from any from youtube or anything else that they're just finding it that way that's my dream is that people will find that podcast separate it's my dream for this podcast that people Mm -hmm. are going to find it because they like what we're talking about well that's the plan for this podcast isn't it
1: we have a we have a grand 10-year plan for this podcast (laughs) to become popular and and sustain itself 10 years after we stop doing it Yeah,
0: we, we, we'll get there. We're all, we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Brooke Shields. Oh, I remember Brooke Shields. So there was a brand new documentary just came out about her uh, two days ago. I watched it last night, and I, I learned about it because I heard her on... WTF, Mark Marin's podcast. She was a guest on there. And she was just so interesting to listen to her talk about her life story. So there's a biography on, it's on Hulu, about being a child actress and a model. She started modeling when she was a like A child years old. model. Yeah. And so she was doing this, and she was in the movie Pretty Baby, where she played a child prostitute. She was like 12 years old at the time nude this is a louis maur film you know this yeah. celebrated french director it is art it is art and and all of this and so the the whole conceit of the documentary was really how her mother was the controlling interest of all of this it was like the two of them together but her mother was her manager and and was an alcoholic and controlled everything she was doing and created this image of Brooke Shields. And she was... You remember the Calvin Klein sure, commercials, yeah. no. and was just hyper-sexualized stuff. Anyways, the, the documentary is really good. It's not one of these documentaries where she's crying and says, I regret everything I, I did. Quite the opposite. She's actually really proud of those movies she made, The Blue Lagoon and mm-hmm. and Last Summer and all this stuff. And she said it put food on our table. And it was because of me that we were able to get a new car. And Mm -hmm. we were able to just her and her mom, they were, you know, just single mother, we were able to, uh, you know, get a new house in New York and, and all of these things. So she doesn't have any regrets for any of that about being exploited by the system, even though she kind of was. But the the telling thing about this, and this is why I want to relate this to YouTube, is that she was talking at the end of this documentary, she's talking to her own daughters who are 16 and 14, something like that, and how her kids are, they kind of wanted to go into modeling. And she was trying to say, no, I don't want you to do this. I'm not going to do this. And finally, she gave in. She goes, well, OK, if you're going to do it, I'm going to help you out and try to, you know, put you on the straight and narrow. And But they were having this Con- the conversation about underage girls being sexualized and Brooke Shields was asking them well what I did is it really that much different than what you are doing on TikTok and because these girls teens young teens are on TikTok doing you know highly suggestive stuff on there and the the daughters were saying yeah but the difference is We're in control of that. it's We're the ones deciding that. And I thought, well, that's a good point. But also what they didn't bring up was that they are being exploited by an algorithm. So instead of being exploited by some guy who wants to strip, they're really just being exploited by a machine, which was created by a bunch of guys, because the more... Risque. They can be on TikTok, the more they can show, the more right. then the, those likes go up. They're rewarded for the same kind of behavior that Brooke Shields was being rewarded for even more so back in the 70s and 80s. And where this is going today is we see this very commonly, not so much the sexualized aspect of it, but the controlling interest of children by parents on these family vlogs. She's such a unique uh, case. She reminds me of um,
1: Monica Lewinsky's situation where like at mm. the time we were all like, ho, slut, <laughs> hug her. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. he was the dude who was getting high five because he got whatever the, the uh, blowjob or whatever it was. Yeah. And she was like, just whatever, and now through our woke glasses. <laughs> see, Steve, you brought it back to last full <laughs> circle. Um, with this new, I mean, it is exactly that. With this ability to look at this stuff through like new lenses it must be crazy for her kids to go through and see their mom at 12 being naked in a movie that and to their point they're like hey TikTok, i control it and to your point it's like yeah but you also understand the more you push those boundaries the more you're going to get so as much as you're making that decision to oh i'll reveal a little bit more because that'll get me more you're, you're, you know, Brooke Shields just went through that being normalized by adults around mm-hmm. and Right now you're having adults be like, Hey, no, you shouldn't do that on TikTok." There is a, you know, there is a, whatever. And I think of Brooke Shields as part of the system, not her obviously, but what the people who put her in that position represents as like, as a kid growing up in the eighties and the early eighties, I had such a warped sense of what I was supposed to look Uh, Like at another, I'm so ashamed of what I actually thought was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, look, here's a movie. It's a 12 year old. Look, there's actual nudity. Why am I supposed to be freaked out that there was like, it was so normalized in a way that was just like, that it was easy to like go through and see it and just like partake in it and then just like take that into your daily life and then look at every single woman or young girl in your life as just like, oh, you're an object of, you know, desire. You just represent this. And there was, Nothing there to protect. I have no idea how she managed to even. Well, that's be a funny thing. Normal. Is that
0: her story is so different than usually? These things all kind of go the the Lindsay Lohan, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore. Wave, where mm-hmm. where they go, you know, drugs, alcohol, they get involved in all of the shenanigans. Hers was the opposite. She said she just felt responsible for her mother, who was the alcoholic, and she would be on like talk shows with her mom. And somebody asked, well, does your mom have a drinking problem or something? You can kind of tell by the eyes and everything. And she was like... And so Brooke Shields at the age of 13 or 14 was having to basically lie for her mom saying, oh no, she has allergies and it affects her skin this way and stuff. And so she was always in a position of having to like be the caregiver of the adult who is also her manager and the responsibility of children having to provide for the family, because let's face it, without Brooke Shields, the mom would be in a uh, been in a gutter someplace <laughs> because of her drinking. She wouldn't have been able to afford all of this, these luxuries and this <laughs> this lifestyle that she had. And this is what we're seeing with family vloggers today. I, I see it's really a, a disturbing phenomenon, and of course, this has been going on for well over ten years now on YouTube. And there's been some really well-known cases of abuse and whatnot. But I think even the smaller family vloggers, whether they want to admit it or, or not, are exploiting their children because you're earning money off of those kids. Because that's what people are watching on these videos. They want to see your cute kids making faces and doing funny things. And so these kids are brought up in an environment where that's all they know is a camera in their face. They are so savvy. It, there was another interesting thing. Watching Brooke Shields in nineteen late 70s or early 80s in interviews when she was a young teen, how... Kind of awkward, she seemed, whereas I think, man, today, kids are so media savvy. These, these family vlog kids, man, yeah. if somebody puts a microphone in their face, they're going to know exactly how to respond and what yeah. to say. And we're in a position where I think we're going to have to make some changes to what's going on with this whole family vlog industry. Because kids don't really have a say in it. The parents will always do this thing where they're like, "Well, no, no, they love doing it. We always tell them, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. Kids are smarter than that. They understand. The kids are always like, oh, no, we really do love doing it. Kids just want to make their parents happy, too. And I'm sure it is fun for the kids, but they don't understand the... This is your full-time gig. The kids, no matter how young they are, probably are aware of the importance of their contribution to these channels (laughs) we do now because we
1: have ryan's toy toys being sold like literally the third best selling toy brand i think in america right now is ryan's toy reviewer whatever the the youtuber teenager now who has to like yeah be a teenager and be selling uh kids toys but he there was like he's an example of like there's there's hopefully the system working as in apparently the parents Mm -hmm. are pretty involved and there's i'm sure there's massive amounts of investment and lawyers and all of the rest when you get to that stage i appreciate that there's probably whatever it's all of the people that use that as the north star and then they're like getting their kids and yelling at their kids 14 times to jump on the trampoline um Mm -hmm. in the backyard and it it really is that because it's easy to be like oh yeah no, the kids love it but at the same time they have absolutely no idea what they're doing and i remember when we when riley came around we kind of just felt responsible to just have her in the videos. like hey you guys are here you love us and here's a little bit of our story we only i think we only have like three videos which kind of quote unquote focus on riley or have riley's face in it it was by like the third or fourth one that we we started paying or i started paying attention to the comments and you just see how many people are like oh you should put riley in every single video oh my gosh it's so cute so it had nothing to do about the video it had to do about just like looking at riley and seeing how cute she is and that became very weird because um it's it's this uncomfortable like voyeuristic like now you're just kind of like looking at us and you want to see us as a family and that's what they asked for more oh more of this is perfect and that's when i figured out that it's like wait a minute this this doesn't sit right
0: And Riley has no say in this. Right? She doesn't have any any say say in that. And that's what... So there's some legislation that's being proposed in Washington State. Uh, I guess this was brought on by a former family vlogger child who was... Uh, I, did, I think he was adopted, and then they made a lot, bunch of videos with him, and then they <laughs> they they returned him. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, rent a <laughs> <to> child star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so a couple of these laws make a lot of sense to me. First, the kids need to be compensated fairly, the way child actors, because this has been the the way it's been in Hollywood and for years now is ever since like the Jackie Coogan law that, you know, kids have to be compensated. They have sp- certain hours they, they have to work because this is going to be their job. Family vloggers don't like to think about it, but this is their kid's job, especially when they're, they're spending all day making these videos every single day featuring their kids. So they've got to have regular working hours. They would have to put a, a percentage of the income that they make off of these videos into a trust fund for the kids that they can access when they reach 18 and a number of these kind of laws the the thing that i like the best about it is that when the kid is at a legal age i guess 18 they would be able to demand that every video that they were in be deleted which is like that sounds completely reasonable doesn't it can you imagine you piss off your, your parents, piss off that kid here. Yeah. He's going to be like, fuck you. You take every one of these goddamn videos down. I've made you millions. Try getting views without your kids. Go ahead. Well, and that's just it. They can't. And that's, you know, Tiffany had a video on this recently. I don't think it was on family vloggers. It was on this uh, van lifestyle, you know, hashtag yes. van life kind of thing. This whole this romanticization of living on the road. And there's like 12 kids packed in this one RV, you know, and they're like, oh, we love it. We (laughs) love the whole thing. We're so happy. But uh, yeah, she had brought up a lot of this and how these kids, if you took them away, just took them out of the picture, would people still watch your videos? And I'm going to guess the answer is, nah. Yeah, especially when you... two ain't that important or that interesting. Yeah, yeah. and your kids are the thumbnail
1: and usually the title stars of the video. I can't believe his tooth fell out. And then a bloody (laughs) mouth open with a kid on the thumbnail. Yeah, It got bad for a while, didn't it? It was really rough in like 20, I don't know, 2018, 2019 when everybody was like, oh, hey, yeah, you can just fire up uh, the Smith vlogging channel and then yeah and then people I think take... it
0: really came to a head with daddy oh five that was where things really broke free when he was literally abusing his kids and literally having, abusing him, his kids having them fight each other for the video he would do these horrible pranks on them that they're, they're not pranks this was in the era where people would just do mean things and it was just a yeah. prank bro and the kid would just be bawling I felt so horrible for those kids Oh, I think it was uh, Ethan from H three back when he was doing videos. It was the one who kind of exposed that whole thing, and that was it was shocking. Uh, was it M- Micah Stauffer? I believe was the YouTuber
1: who. Uh... Returned the child. <laughs> was that the child returning? <laughs> <laughs> got <laughs> their money either. back or something. I, I don't just know. quickly checked in. Nothing, nothing since then. Apparently, it's hard to uh, continue, no matter how good looking and how much charm you have. Uh, apparently, uh, people are interested in seeing you and your kids and happy family stuff, living vicariously through that, as opposed to having any real connection with what you have to offer, aside from you're the one who is. No offense, dumb enough to parade your kids out for <laughs> for money.
0: You know who does a good job of this is Craig, Wheezy Waiter. He's never shown... Mm-hmm. their daughter. Yep. He, I don't even think from behind he's ever shown her. There's he, like the
1: odd shot that you can kind of see. We sometimes do that with Riley, just like the shot from behind so you can kind of see, oh, yeah. like, wow, they've really grown, but it's certainly still... I think
0: ultimately your kids will appreciate that when they get older. They'll be happy that you didn't feature I hope them so. all the time in everything. You, you see know? how
1: pervasive it. Riley has for the past six months gone through and she'll do she's an only kid so she plays by herself and she's very good with playing by herself she's good at imaginative play and sometimes I'll just overhear how she's playing like what she's doing sometimes it's just like regular kid kind of like playing and sometimes actually quite a bit of her play involves her doing something and instead of her playing with her toys she's making a video of her playing with her toys really? and the, yeah and the stuff that she says sounds very um, like I think it's cookie puss or anyways there's a youtuber uh a, a youtubing uh youtubing a <laughs> youtubing channel for uh for kids which is like a play with me style channel it's mm-hmm. by a, a woman who's been doing it for a long time she has a great voice she does a very good job it's very safe content. i'm in no way is this in any way an uh, indication of her content i actually quite like her content however she speaks with the youtube cadence hey guys welcome back mm-hmm. to the channel today we're playing with Um, Barbie, isn't that super exciting? Yes, it is. Okay, so we're going to start by... So when she's playing, she just mimics that without really knowing that, Hmm. you know, this is something that someone's doing specifically for a video because her content, her television shows, her Flintstones, as it were is this so she's just kind of mimicking it and seeing how in everyday life this is how you talk to things and it's quite funny that she will be playing but she's playing that she's making a video about her playing like it's almost this inception style right the, oh,
0: that's interesting that is really interesting do you think that... And also, I want to make the point that I don't think there's anything wrong with people having their kids on not social at all. media or social networking as it used to be, where you're a family and you're showing your kids to people who are... You're not making money off of that. This isn't your gig. I'm really talking about people who are monetizing their children. And I think that's the, the bigger problem. But what would you say to Riley if in a few years she just said, I want to start a YouTube channel. I think she would want one already if she could kind of like form that thought cohesively. Could kids even do that? Do kids have channels? I I mean,
1: I remember they always... There used to be the... You have to be 13 to sign up for an online account of some sort. I know that perhaps... I've heard, I've heard rumors, and maybe you've heard these rumors, that children will lie on the internet.
0: <laughs> but are Just, there kids who have channels now? Is that a thing? Or do, or do, are they relegated to the, you can't have comments and...
1: Yeah. I think you're probably, yeah, you're probably going to have uh, a, a real stifled way of getting uh, yeah. exposure. Because I guess it, it would have to be, quote unquote, made for kid. Like, you'd have to be mm-hmm. honest about that. Um And it would be tough to like, yeah, it'd be tough for like a 12 year old or an 11 year old to be doing like really kind of edgy, cool stuff and be able to make it on the platform.
0: Do you remember a couple years ago, Jack Pop? He made the, he was this kid and he made these really funny videos. They were kind of uh, just comedy sketches he would do. And I think he was like, he had to be like 13 or 14. He was at that stage where his voice was just starting to change, you know? So maybe there's a, there's an, maybe there's a gray area there i guess i don't know maybe that's what youtube's working
1: on in the background they've done such a bang-up job with the kids making sure that you know if you're gonna get your kid on the kids app it's great because i can feel pretty i have a kid who wants to imitate every youtube video ever (laughs) but i have a kid that isn't you know imitating videos that i'm not you know, interested them imitating, if that makes sense. They really put a good silo kind of around the kids stuff. And like you said, there's a lot of laws now, and we're certainly well aware of this stuff. However, now the new space will be, I think, what you're getting at, like that preteen market, that like Mm -hmm. wanting to be into the TikTok space and being on the TikTok space, to your earlier, earlier point, is a lot different than wanting to be like, hey guys, she likes yeah. being like subscribed to the channel. Like she likes the little innocent, quirky stuff that goes along with whatever. We understand on TikTok that, oh, I was sitting at a burger restaurant the other day and there was some high school kit and maybe not just, maybe like grade nine high school, like fresh. Mm-hmm. These were some young kids, all of them on their phone. All of them have the exact same haircut, by the way. I just wanna put out that all <laughs> children these days have the exact same haircut. <laughs> um so they were sitting in uh, we were at a Burger's Priest. I don't know if you have Burger's Priest in the United States of America. Burger's Priest? Burger's Priest, uh-huh. yeah, it's wow. the Burgers Priest it's is the, the name godly, of it. Godly, godly oh, burger. You have, do you have the designer burgers in this? I mean, of course, right? Everybody's kind we have of hot in to and come. out.
0: Nothing beats in and out if you're going fast food. But that's all I can. Think Jack of. in the Box. Anyways, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah,
0: they got. I never eat any of this. So. Uh,
1: I'm at a place called Burgers Priest. Anybody listening who's been to Burgers Priest will know how tasty of a hamburger <laughs> that is. However, it's one of those places where you need to wait. It's like a Five Guys. You need to wait like a solid ten oh, yeah. minutes because they make your burger fresh. It's not fast yeah. food. That's it's casual. They call that yes so i was sitting there and one 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 child kids sorry i shouldn't call them children. One, one of the kids was sitting at the thing on their phone and they had placed an order for like an order of fries they call up the order of fries come they sit they bring the thing and i'm sitting at literally at the other side of the restaurant the restaurant is essentially empty at this point aside from us and then within five minutes all of the kids had joined, I guess, school had either just let out or the period break or something like that. <laughs> and all of them, and they all come in, they're like, Hey, what's up? And they do the fancy handshake and the slaps with the things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, Yeah. And they keep <laughs> pulling more of the chairs into this, what they've created, like this big, you know, 18 kids all around one table, sharing yeah. one small fry. And <laughs> all of them are on TikTok. Yeah. And the what was interesting was the social engagement was not all of them sitting around and talking and having fun. I mean, I'm sure they were having fun, but they weren't all sitting around and talking. They were all individually sharing things with the phone. And the conversation right. was like, this is grace. Did you see graces? And, it was, uh, and the ones that I ended up seeing made me feel like I should bleach my eyes because they're these kids and i kept seeing like oh look at this one and again I don't, her name wasn't whatever but i do remember the hey look this is the one that she just did and the kid was just topless just topless just topless yeah. and i get it and it was just like ah and then but that was that was just that's what's on TikTok. That's what's going to get you those views. And even and further to Brooke Shields' kids' point, they're more in control, which actually makes it even more dangerous because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't understand the ramifications of having it. But like, what, then the responsibility is the platform. And how much are you trusting TikTok and the Chinese government to be responsible But what you're kids are
0: watching. Well, and I think that they would, it would, even if that was an American company, it would be behaving the same way. It would be, they would, they create these algorithms to what people are going to watch. These thirst traps are the ones that people are clicking on and watching and they're rewarding the kids with likes. That's really their reward. You know, where's Brooke Shields at least was making a bank, you know, yeah. <laughs> from doing the Calvin Klein ads. And, but, and even then she was like, totally friends with Calvin Klein and there was nothing wrong to her in her mind about what was going on. She knew very well what she was doing, even at a young age. She was really clear about that. She goes, yeah, I know. I know why people are we are selling jeans, but really, <laughs> we're doing, you know, and sales quadrupled and all this stuff. And so, you know, in a way, she was being exploited. But in a way, the young kids today are also being exploited, just by a machine. And I think it's only going to get worse, because they're going to start being exploited by AI. And
1: Brooke Shields managed to build an entire career out of it. And we are talking about it because Brooke Shields, as much as that was horrible and she should have never had to deal with that, that was what also put her in a position where like what she is now. And the issue Mm -hmm. is you have a bunch of kids wanting to do that same thing and you're not going to get that off of TikTok because they will feed you the views and they'll even feed you the followers as you shared with us. But we've also realized that that is the lowest form of currency Ever, And you are doing what Brooke Shields did, which gave her a multi-million dollar career and probably sold hundreds of billions of dollars in clothing. And you're doing it for kids who are just willing to get these superficial likes and fake internet points. And they are literally doing like they're, they're doing the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. And you think about it, you know, that they, they make the point of like, well, all these people that were, using Brooke Shields at a young age were just middle-aged men. And I think, well, yeah, but who's designing these apps and these algorithms right. that are feeding this kind of stuff? It's basically middle-aged white guys.
1: I heard a I heard a thing, I think it was just it was a piece of internet content, so I have no idea if it was legitimate or not, but it certainly sounded legitimate that TikTok in China is completely different than the TikTok that we experience in North America or everywhere else in the world and conspiracy time the thought is because it's you know monitored by that chinese government they only push content of young people doing socially important and patriotic stuff probably yeah it's not even that just them being they have the social currency of like if you're a good person you're just regarded more as and i get it maybe that's completely fake and contrived but the thought is the more you are a good person and the more you share things of you helping old people or you whatever and that's the content that they end up pushing a whole bunch of views you understand how they can literally forge the the culture of their young people by literally just turning on the knob for this is yeah. all positive content. And the best way for us to inhibit the rest of the world or just keep this for ourselves is get them hooked on this and then give them the trash that they want to the <laughs> thirst trap. The trash. Yeah. You guys are all thirsty. We are going to fill you with coke while we fill our people with you know vitamin water or like whatever it is like we are literally making it so we know that the content that american kids i'm just using one random example uh, american kids are getting on our platform which we can completely control and it's all the stuff that they apparently want to see, and it's just useless, dumb stuff that just, you know, distracts them. We will definitely give them that, but we will ensure that in China, n- you know, none of the right. kids are, are, like, exposed to this. Fascinating.
0: Did you see this... Uh, the. TikTok CEO was testifying in front of some committee, Congress. It was, I know about this from, again, Penguin Zero. I watch his channel occasionally. He brings up kind of relevant YouTube topics and, and other online media. But that was horrible, the way the, and this is another example of how U.S. politicians don't have a clue about technology they don't understand any of this stuff and the one the one what that is kind of become like a meme now is i don't know who he was one of these politicians asked the ceo of tiktok he's like well no 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 let me ask you this he's he's trying to sound like he knows what he's talking about is your app available over (laughs) wi-fi And I'm like, are you, and the, and the CEO guy was like taken back because he didn't, he, he said, um, Sorry, I'm not, really, I'm not really sure I understand the question. It was so weird. It was just, uh, do you remember the internet tubes years ago? That oh. was a big thing. The guy, one of the politicians was like, well, how does this information get through these, the, the internet tubes? The tubes. Well, we all know you just get a tube installed in your house and in your phone. But what kind of, a, what kind of an asshole idiot doesn't understand how an app works and how a Wi-Fi works at this point? Uh, if you, especially being in a position of power, I mean, I can understand an old guy who's just like is totally out of it. He's eighty years old or something. Doesn't know, but well, oh, that kind yeah. of actually explains a lot of the politicians
1: that, that we have yeah, right now. Yeah, well, true, <laughs> yeah, out of touch old <laughs> old God, people. It would. was
0: embarrassing, and so it's like, wait, these are the guys that are wanting to make right. tech laws,
1: <laughs> I, right? And that's the thing. It's like, man, I'm really questioning whether you actually. Uh, the I know that uh, I don't remember the name. His full name, Louis Radim something, something, something. He's a guy and he has a tech channel and he fixes Macs and he's a huge proponent of um, the right to repair, I think, is the law. Oh, so right. that he's. So he's a very outspoken person. He goes quite like JJ whenever there's a thing. He'll go and sit in Congress and represent and da 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 So this guy goes and does the same thing for people's ability to upgrade their thing or replace a battery in their phone or whatever it is. And it's outstanding to see when someone who understands both sides of the argument and has like a really interesting perspective be placed in that position of like being interviewed or, or whatever that is by Congress on behalf of, quote unquote, the people and how the people end up sitting there being like Ugh, none of this is representative with like the points like they run around in circles they ask stupid questions about internet tubes and nothing <laughs> yeah. and it's like these are the people making the decisions about whether or not right. i should have the ability to open up my phone or like my car and like at some point not have to pay 18 for you know a monthly uh, heated subscription to Heated seats or something like that. Like I get why and then you just see the frustration. It's like, well, the people who make these laws don't even know the laws that they're making and they don't have no. time to listen and they're just out of touch and stuck in their ways and da da da. Yeah, and, just
0: totally out of touch is is the that's the key there. They really don't have a clue. They should at least be advised by somebody who understands a little bit about what's going on. You should you should be forced
1: to start up your own YouTube channel when you get in, <laughs> and every morning you should just make a quick video about like what you're doing for the day. You should it should be public servants' duty to.
0: If, wouldn't that be cool
1: if the president of the United States had a vlog? Or like I mean, just, it, like some seriously. form of accountability. Like you could tap into his like his journal or his like his his daytime, like just to see what the president is doing. I I, I have a question for you. Hmm. Um, I saw in your. Uh, in your I don't know, it was one of the videos. You had your, your million plaque sub. Where do you keep your million plaques sub? Yeah, it's up in my office. It's in your office. And I don't yeah. know, what, what, did you do a video in your office? Op- why did I see your plaque recently and I have this written down as like
0: ask Steve <laughs> what It is... might have been the hundred it might have been hundred thousand plaque. Because I, I You have know what? Both it was those. the
1: hundred thousand
0: plaque maybe. Yeah. I've got the old school one. You do? You ha had this guy over here with the glass. This, this yep. with the glass. Yep. So
1: ours mm-hmm. is uh, Congratulations for surpassing a hundred thousand subscribers, and then up in the top corner it says "Clean my space." So mm-hmm. I want to know yours says. Uh, I was, I was happy today. What does it say in the top corner? <laughs> Congratulations, Stev in Marin. Stev Marin. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we've talked about this on the show, but for
0: people who have not heard, why? Oh, it, why man. does yours say Stev in Marin? Because it was stupid. Because I was set up my. Uh, YouTube account in like, on a whim in in 2008, and then like, uh, quickly, username, whatever, Steve in Marin. I live in Marin County, and I thought, Steve in Marin, makes sense. And I misspelled my own name. I forgot to add the second E, which was really the dumbest thing, and it it haunted me for ages, because then it, you really couldn't have a channel name. Maybe, I mean, you, you could, could but you, it, it was... wouldn't show up, and it was just the username. And then, it, it's only been within the last year that that's finally out of existence because now they've switched over to the handles, the at sign. Yes. So you, you can have the actual channel name. <laughs> I remember there was quite a few years ago that you could actually just like
1: name your channel and it wouldn't actually just be your at or you, whatever your
0: actual uh, yeah.
1: handle was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: that's the way I'd been doing it for years. Is it just said Steve Ramsey Woodworking Premier for Mere Mortals. But if you looked in the URL, yep. it would have the Stevan Marin still. So the goal... So your gold plaque button, which came
1: well after, and you had established yeah. woodworking from your mortals, also t- says Stephen Marin.
0: Nope, that one says w- Steve Ramsey, woodworking from your mortals. So I guess they go off of it. At that point, they were using the name that you were sense. using for your channel. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you remember
1: when it was? <laughs> what year you got your
0: million sub plaque? I don't I don't remember. Maybe twenty sixteen, seventeen, 17, maybe? We I had returned
1: home from... A no it wasn't a trip or so it was some kind of trip and it was late at night and my brother and his wife were at our house kind of house sitting and uh, as i walked in the door i saw with a pile of mail like with all the packages in the mail that had built up over the thing leaning right against it was a black the black box i still have the box yeah, i saved the box. box i'm like i'm saving <laughs> the box too <laughs> and i saved the letter as, as i had brought uh-huh. up actually yeah i did mention that Um, and I just, I remember opening up and just kind of like laying my eyes on it for the first time. And that was one of the best moments in my YouTube career. I will, I will 100% fanboy and be a sap and a sucker and a dummy. And it's not that important and it isn't whatever. But that was one moment where I had such a sense of fulfillment. And I was just like, wow, it was akin to having a gold record on Damn. your wall and I remember Dr. Dre talking about bragging about in his office on his on, in his rap songs he would brag about he has just gold plaques in his office and that was always like the ah you know you've you know mm-hmm. you've arrived when you have a gold plaque in your office and Steve as you can see Chad Reynolds has arrived You 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 made it you made it <laughs> Steven Morin made it too. Stev,
0: Stev. <laughs> Stev. Did you think about changing your name because now you were really I popular? Well, and... for, for the second. Oh, you mean change my name to yeah, Stev. Stev? Yeah, I thought because people would comment. They would leave it like, hey, Stev. They thought maybe that was my name or people would call me Steven with an I-N because they thought it was Steven Morin. And so it was really, it was confusing. That was the one that I thought. Because I really liked yeah. you and I knew Steven that you with a clever spelling,
1: and I was like, "Oh, he does Steven." I'm like, "Oh, that's so." <laughs> never see that. So that's that's very Yeah. so oh, <laughs> man, that's impressive. And then I
0: realize it's because your E didn't work on your keyboard. That <laughs> <laughs> <I> was stupid. <laughs> Hey, did you did you uh, catch much WrestleMania this year?
1: Oh, oh I didn't because now WrestleMania, WrestleMania used to be like sit down for three. It's like the Super Bowl. Sit down for three and a half hours, and you'll yeah, get you'll get the whole. Now it's two days, and there's different it's four hours. Fantastic! Few... I get it. My uh, my nephews like literally just like do the whole weekend, just, uh, just hang out together and just yeah. like graze and watch. And I can see how that's enjoyable, right? You don't want it just yeah. to be like a whatever. It's a whole weekend event um i gotta say uh i didn't watch all of it i did watch all of the highlights as much as i can because as much as wrestling's kind of boring right now there are some real high points and i have mm-hmm. to admit that a high point of wrestling
0: right now is logan paul logan
1: paul isn't it he, I'll admit he,
0: it. he wrestled seth rollins it was pretty cool
1: well, and I guess we can well, it doesn't matter if we do spoilers, it's not like we're doing a wrestling podcast, but it actually also ended very well. It was great that wrestling yeah. sometimes will allow someone to really have a moment and then they do a great job of taking the moment away and allowing yeah. other people to it's great it's the very, ref
0: wasn't looking or oh,
1: something it's you know wonderful <laughs> and it's so long as it's a good guy who's getting away with it yeah, yeah. so long as there's some kind of uh, point of deniability or like something that's like oh it, it wasn't an official count my elbow did come up or whatever so <laughs> i'm thoroughly impressed logan paul if you're listening to this podcast you have done very well you have certainly dedicated yourself to this uh, I don't get the whole brother thing with the boxing I don't understand the enam I understand fully why you saw wrestling and you're like this is my space because I mean he's
0: good he looks like a wrestler he, he yeah. takes the falls he does yep. the aerials I yeah. mean he gets he, to be,
1: Lo- he literally gets
0: to be Logan Paul. He gets to be himself and people, he gets this real mixed reaction yeah. from people. You know, a lot and, of hate, a lot of people like him, you know. It's, and
1: wrestling more than boxing, especially, allows you to lean into a character. And it worked yeah. very well for The Miz, who came from like, oh, I'm a Hollywood type. So like, literally his character is that Hollywood type. And he yeah. now has tripled, quadrupled down on that. And he is the master of it. And it really serves well for Logan Paul, because now he doesn't, he can follow the exact same trend, but he can get right into it. He can just be Logan Paul, the annoying influencer that you already hate. I know. And they, they lean into that, too. And They're as, totally like, oh, yeah, the influencer. And I will say, as they have done with Miz, because they have dragged him to both sides of the the... You know, the polls, they've made him the the biggest, most what I get behind him guy. Ms. Girl, if you remember years ago, was a girl in the crowd who, after Ms. won, gave the biggest frown in the world. And it turned into a bit of an internet meme like, this. oh, how did the Ms. win? And because she, she personified everything that everybody thought about the Ms. back then. He was just this annoying dude. And then just over time, we ended up, I ended up really liking him because it's like, man, you put your work in and you like, I admire that you just put your work in. You dealt with all of this. Roman Reigns is the same way. Like you dealt mm-hmm. with that whole like, oh, you're always just going to be the guy who everybody wanted. It's like he doubles down, does a great heel turn. And now you have like this character that everybody loves. And Logan Paul, unlike Jake Paul, Jake Paul leaned into the, when Mike Tyson was a great boxer, everybody loved hating him. when hulk hogan was a great wrestler everybody loved him and it's like this family friendliness with wrestling and this like realness associated with boxing which more so allows you like i'm demon you don't want to fight me because i'll kick the crap out of you but when it's wrestling it's like i'm just here to entertain you and like we all know this is a bit of a lark anyways so like we're all just having fun and playing characters and i find jake paul's boxing character just like Dumb, and I think it's going to serve him uh, not very well, because I think it's easy to make fun of him that way. And I think it's brilliant that Logan Paul has now moved into wrestling because he's moving into a crowd a who is match. going to hate you. And yeah. then they are going to love you. And you are going to John Cena it and you are just going to move into like, great, you are rock John Cena, Batista, like all these dudes who are just like, great. You're set for Yeah, life.
0: my whole opinion of Logan Paul has kind of shifted over the past few years. I mean, he used to be, I was on board with like, oh, he's that guy who went to the suicide forest and did the, you know, exploited that whole business. And everybody sort of loved to hate mm-hmm. Logan Paul. And then, but now I'm looking at his career and I'm like, man, the guy's pretty smart about what he's doing. And he doesn't, he seems to brush off all of the, the hate just fine and then i look at him wrestling and i'm like dude knows what he's doing dude he's a good stunt man you know he's not in there faking i'll say the same
1: about yeah. um ray mysterio's kid dominant oh yeah <laughs> like you've got it like you like you can clearly see that it's like you're not being dragged in here because of your name you're not whatever logan yeah. paul's uh, obviously logan paul's here because of his name but i think everybody's truly impressed by this guy who's doing jumps off of the yeah i got to admit i got to admit that little prime segment ksi dressed up as thing and then yeah. seth pulls in and they do a frog flash and it's all over tw- like brilliant well done i have no idea how much and well done getting your brand in a wrestlemania segment that was pretty funny a yeah. couple the, years the into the owning of, your own brand and yeah. you
0: so Well done. We got to see Snoop Dogg take out The Miz.
1: (laughs) Do you know Sasha, is it Sasha Banks?
0: Sasha Banks, yeah. Is his niece? Oh, oh, right. That's the, yeah, there's there's a family connection. Yeah, there is, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was kind of cool to see. You know what I like about WrestleMania, and so I, I got into wrestling a, a few years ago, and I was really into watching it all the time, Raw and SmackDown and everything. And now, over the past few years, I guess probably since the pandemic started, it was just like now I only watch WrestleMania. Hmm. But they do a really good job at catching you up on everything. It's like a soap opera. They always say you can tune into a soap opera at any time. and You'll, you'll be right up to speed. And man, WrestleMania does a great job of like catching you up on yeah. all the characters, what's happened over basically the past year, who, yeah. who's fighting, who, who's where the beefs are and everything, you know. And then it's just, and no matter what happens, I turn it on. And I think I'll watch a little bit of this and I swear to God I get sucked in mm-hmm. and I watch the whole thing because they know how to make an entertaining show. They know how much wrestling to put in, they know how much backstage stuff yeah. to put in.
1: I use them as a as a as an influence for how to uh promote something because they wrestlers are great like they literally go through as much training for promos as they do usually yeah. for their wrestling because promos and, and just speaking is such, especially now is such an important part of like the whole gig. And um, to, to see them be like mentioned Saturday, March 18th at 7 PM at the saddle dome for WrestleMania, whatever the, uh, the intentional shots and the points that they do to like they understand and how to every single thing, Every said, the commentators drop WrestleMania 18 coming this Saturday. They do it so seamlessly that they keep getting the same message across over and over and over and over and over again. It's like when you watch a television show now and it's coming to a commercial and they'll tease the one moment in the next segment. And then when you get back from commercial, they tease that same Mm -hmm. moment and then they go back into it. And then you watch that moment. And then before the next commercial, you get the tease of that. Like they literally will reuse something over and over again. And I remember watching wrestling as a kid and never really thinking, like it was just a wrestling promo. Oh, I'm going to see you at the Skydome on March 24th and i was just like that's a weird wrestling cadence and then as an older person i'm like oh man this
0: is brilliant they just keep saying the date and the name and the place and the thing
1: over and over and over and over and over again
0: they start promoting Wrestlemania like halfway through the year they're like the grandest stage of them all and I'm going to challenge and all of their events leading
1: up to Wrestlemania are events leading up to Wrestlemania and they have the SummerSlam and they they do an amazing job of just always making you interested in what the next thing is and even if it's the best part is even if it's the same storyline it's Randy Orton versus John Cena for the 48th time you still have at least some element of interest and excitement kind of watching it all happen again, yeah.
0: So, and how smart are they to be able to sell double the amount of tickets this year? You know, <laughs> it's a, it was like fifty-one thousand people at the So High Stadium there in L.A. SoFi, not So High, not Sohi. <laughs> yeah, So High. And then when they announce
1: it, they always tack on like an extra thirty-seven thousand. Like, welcome to the eighty-nine thousand people who are in this forty-two thousand seat arena. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, thoroughly entertaining. I, I enjoyed it. And I probably and, and when I'm watching it, I think, yeah, I should watch wrestling more often. But I, I, I don't. I guess everybody's watching AEW now. That's kind of the one everybody seems to be. Drawing are towards. they?
1: I actually thought their ratings were tanking. Oh, are they? Well, I don't know. Cody, I you... Cody, uh, Cody, uh, Cody Rhodes or whatever his name is, is, is back on the, the
0: WWE now. Mm. They're, they're just going and they'll just fish all those guys back. Yeah, and they, I guess Vince McMahon just sold the WWE, finally. I just saw that yesterday. He's, apparently, the guy who bought it owns the, uh, what's the MMA group? the UFC? Uh, UFC, yeah. Really? Oh, I
1: mean, as I, in it's not Dana White. He started it, and I guess he sold it a while ago, and now it's a company that owns the yeah. UFC?
0: Yeah, I can't remember the name of the company in Durant or something. Wow, they have. I just saw that yesterday. And I heard that Vince McMahon
1: is back to making decisions, even though he actually had to like dip out because yeah. there was some,
0: some some bad news coming his way. I didn't know. It, when, when I heard about that, he was like, you know, I guess sexual assault or yes. something. Or I don't even know what it was, but my first thought was, wait, is that real or is this just a thing that they're just doing for the <laughs> WWE, because like, WWE you just does don't a good know, job right? of you never know what's real and what's not.
1: He's faked heart attacks. He's faked his death. Yeah. He's He is not one to not fake <laughs> something like that just to jiggle people's... I mean, it was Whenever just a... enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's good. All right. Well, I guess that's all we got for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody.